I'm Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. The Old Man Who Bets. And I'm Anthony Latino, a.k.a. The Odds Fellow. And this is short-term high-volatility investments, your one-stop shop for sports betting and insights no matter what season is in full swing. And now, let's cash some tickets. Week two is upon us. This is short-term high-volatility investments. My name is Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. The Old Man Who Bets, alongside my main man, Ant Latino. Perhaps you know him as The Odd Fellow. We said it last week. We'll say it again. Temperatures are dropping. Pumpkin beer intake is increasing. NFL bets data still zero, but fuck it. We're betting it anyway. And talk to me about week one. It had to have gone better than mine. It went solid. But before we get into week one, I want to give a quick warning, quick shout out. Shipyard Brewing Company, one of the best pumpkin beers out there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Pumpkin Head, I believe, Mm -hmm. is the term. Also snuck out a seltzer. Not as good. So be aware. Be aware, Interesting. Stick to the beer, stick to the brew. The self, pumpkin-flavored seltzer, uh, not as hot a trend in the yeah. Latino household. I love it, man. And that is my favorite pumpkin beer as well um, yeah. up in Boston. You know, I went to Tufts, and we drank a lot of those up there. And yep. pro tip with the pumpkin beers, you don't want to drink them ice cold. I know I joke about hot beers all the time, but actually – a little bit warmer. I'm not lukewarm saying hot. I'm beers. not saying lukewarm. lukewarm. <laughs> I'm just saying not out of the freezer cold. The pumpkin Respect. flavor does come out a little bit more. I like that. So, I like that. But yes, here nor there. week one was solid. I think we're going to get into some of the overreactions, which are always fun after uh, NFL early season. Uh, some of the bad beats that did pull down my profits and mm-hmm. the profits to our wonderful subscribers and a great Slack community uh, for my picks personally, because you know I think I ended up going four and two or five and two, but I, I won a couple half unit plays and, you know, had a bad swing on one of those one units with the, uh, the San Francisco 49ers and that Detroit lions. So that, that pulled me down a little bit, but still ended up in the black, which is always a good start. Yeah. You know, I had some crazy fucking deja vu, man, where like last week, last year, like weeks nine through 13 were some of the worst betting weeks of my life. And, uh, and I know what timing you're going to talk about with that, that deja vu. It's the witching hour, right? Yeah, man. The witching hour. I was four and oh coming into the fourth quarter and I ended up one and three on those bets and honestly just got fucked, dude. I, you know, I don't like to be overly profane, but there's no other terms for it. Let's start with that San Francisco yeah. 49ers game. Yeah, which we it's 40 both on. Yeah. both on it. I mean, I'm sitting here trying to keep my cool. My girlfriend's hanging out. And I'm just starting to bubble up, bubble over 41, 17. Did you have the game on? Uh, yeah, well, we had the red zone and it kept Got flashing it. to it. Flash I was watching it. the yeah, game. Yeah. Cast, Cause I was just looking like, on my phone. So keep in mind, listeners, I'm, I'm refreshing my phone, you know, frantically while, while the situation that Jeff is about to describe is unfolding, which makes it yeah. even worse. Yeah, I mean, this is two bets that were 99% to hit halfway through the fourth quarter. The first, of course, again, San Francisco here, 41-17 with two minutes and 33 seconds to go. Yeah, Touchdown, two-point conversion, onside kick recovered, touchdown, two-point conversion, and then a fumble recovery, and they almost won the game. But that is 16 points in 90 seconds to close out the game, minus nine, forget about it. I mean, incendiary, and an absolutely incendiary beat. It is... It's unacceptable. I mean, I think, I, I think a good little tidbit there, and I don't always bet the NFL early in the week, but I think that line opened closer to seven and a half and eight. Seven and, and a half, yeah. And steamed up. So, mm-hmm. you know, an eight point win, you were either a push or or a, or a W if you did get it and lock it early, but that's tough. You know, it's tough to do. Yeah. I'm all about closing line value, man, but yeah. that one was just, yeah. I mean, rip my heart out, throw it in a blender, and then dump it on the mean streets of New York City. They're dirty enough. What's a little more blood and guts? Anyway, that was bad beat number one for me. Number two, equally as fun, 
Absolute shootout in Arizona and Tennessee. 51 points scored through three quarters. I need two and a half points going into the fourth quarter. Zero, zero. That's a field goal for those scoring at home. (laughs) Yeah, and they missed one. They missed one. I mean, I don't even know what to say there. 51 divided by three. That was 17 points per quarter. And then we couldn't get three coming into the fourth. So another 99% winner straight into the Uh, losing bin. One and four, baby. I think I'm number 27th out of 30, maybe 32 in the capper contest, which I feel fucking good about. (laughs) But, hey, we're back week two, bet by bet. You know, I tweeted out, we live, we bet, we die. It's only a couple more losses to add to the 2,500 losses I already have over the last four years. And we're still up 132 units. So we're not losing too much sleep over it, even though – you know, I do get frustrated, even though it's a great day for a great day every day. <laughs> the grass is sometimes not always as green as I'd like it to be. You Absolutely. Know? And we'll, we'll talk about that contest a little bit before we close out. Don't let me forget to, to plug it. There's a good way for the public to compete for prizes against each other and to awesome. compete for prizes against us. The kind of a grand prize if you beat some of the cappers. There's a, I think we ended up, we tried to get 33. We had some some ones that didn't come through at the last minute. So I think we landed at a 31 spot. So an expanded contest from last year. And it's, uh, it's going to be fun. I have faith that you will move up the leaderboard. Yeah. I mean, I, 27 is <laughs> a little lower than I like to be, uh, but I'm not 31st. Okay You're not. Yeah. 31st. Yeah. There are people that did worse, <laughs> which feels hey, good. Hey, but in the words of not that I'm Bobby, ever... if you're not first, you're last. Amen. And brother. with that, we move on to how did those bad beats feed into your, overreactions, underreactions, hot takes, not takes. What did you think about the uh, about week one in the slate? You know, I thought it was pretty exciting for the most part. Yeah, man. I mean, some electric games, right? I mean, even kicking yeah. off on Thursday, that, that Tampa oh, Bay-Dallas game was – I'm sorry they lost. Oh, and it happens. was kind of a catch-22 for me because I didn't cover on that Godwin fumble. But I had way more money personally, even though I bet them all and tracked them all as one unit. I had probably 3x the amount of money on the team total over at 30 and a half. So we still got that game-winning field goal to get me there. I would have preferred the Godwin touchdown to probably also cover the game, go 2-1 and there. Uh, But again, that's part of the 1-4 and weeks, so uh, clockwork, really. Absolutely. But, uh, no, I, I think for me, and I, I said this the other night, we were recording with some of the dad bods, and I just said it's the it's classic Cowboys midseason form. I might have even mm-hmm. tweeted that like they do enough to just I had no expectations going in or low, maybe low expectations is a better word. They suck you all the way back in to to get you so hyped up and then rip your heart out. Um, you know, last second field goal. So Yeah, but hey man, at least it was to the Bucks, right? One of the best yeah. teams in the league. Like this is yeah. looking promising. You got Fitzpatrick going down for six to eight weeks in, in Washington, who I thought was the only obviously went deep on that. I've got a future on them, two of them actually, yep. so not feeling great about that. Yeah. Um but nonetheless that offense looked I mean just where they were for weeks one through six last year. What Dak four on one. We'll get into the Cowboys a little bit this this week as well, uh, because I will be taking them. But I mean I'm on their win total over nine. So that that directionally I'm feeling okay about it. Yeah, no, I mean, and you brought up the Fitz thing. I, obviously, that's going to be uh, a big change for Washington, a playoff-ready team, uh, you know, co-favorite to win the NFC East division, um, a team a lot of folks were high on with future tickets and, and good value. You think they make a move at quarterback, you know, with the with the Fitz news, or you think they just stick with Heineke? I think they stick with Heineke. Um, I mean, he looked pretty good in the playoffs last year. He didn't look bad. You know, if Antonio Gibson doesn't fumble on the one-yard line, they probably win that game. There's your yeah. Washington Pickham right there. Another not bad beat, but not a good beat either, right? Like, I still thought I was on the right side with the Washington football team yeah. there. Um, 
But hey, you know, it is what it is. And I think, um, and you know, your question before, let's talk about surprises here. You know, I think we got to talk about who the Green Bay Packers, the Tennessee Titans, or I think are they probably the big two right off the top of my head. Absolutely. And I think with the Packers, just the almost the disinterest, right? To, to mm-hmm. the lack of showing up for that game. If you watched Rogers body language, it, it wasn't great. I don't know at what point he mentally checked himself out of it. It'll be interesting to see them turn back around, go into a primetime game on Monday night with all eyes watching against a division rival against a division rival. That's really not that good. Uh, great at the backdoor covered, you know, shout out uh, Jared Goff, but mm-hmm. um, you know, do they bounce back? Is that just an anomaly? Like, you know, how are you looking at that from a, a Packer standpoint? I think they definitely bounce back. You know, we'll get into this a little bit later as well, but with football outsiders and the two metrics that I've been looking at at least early season is DVOA and Dave and essentially DVOA, um, you know, by definition, it's measuring a team's efficiency by comparing the success of every single play to league averaged uh, based on the situation and opponent. So it really takes into account just about everything. The Dave metric is the same thing, but factors in preseason expectations for lack of a better term. Um, so you look at this Green Bay Packers team, their DVOA right now as a team worst in the league versus their Dave eight in the league. So taking in that shitty performance, but then parting it with their preseason expectations, that seems like a spot that they're going to regress. You look at this Baltimore team, similar, even Kansas City, where I think is pretty interesting. Obviously, they won that game. They still put up 33, 33 points, 22 in terms of total DVOA, number two in Dave. So like that's not obvious. That's, that's a pretty obvious like bounce yeah. back spot, right? Obviously. They're wildly talented, but seeing kind of the data behind it, I think is interesting. Green Bay is 32, Dave is eight, Buffalo 24, Dave is nine. Um, who else is kind of wild here? Dallas, interestingly enough, is 23rd in terms way? of total DVOA. No, for the should should regress for the best two here. Yeah. Um, their Dave is 11. So, um, and even with the Bucks, the Bucks are 13, 13 to one. So, um, some of these good teams who played, I thought, pretty well, still the data, even again, one game, but the picking in those preseason expectations is showing that they should have played better, yeah. um, which is part of my handicap for, for two teams I'm playing this week. No, I love that. One thing to end on the Packers before we, I think then we touched on the Titans a little bit is the, uh, you got to remember, they're going to get fat in that division. I, I don't mm-hmm. really think the Lions, the Bears, or the Vikings, who actually looked pretty bad against the Bengals, mm-hmm. um, you know, are any good. So they're going to get fat against the division. Uh, they still have, uh, you know, all six games starting with one this week on Monday night against the division. So, you know, we'll see how Rogers responds. He tends to eat the NFC North. Yeah, absolutely. And that Bengals team, I mean, pretty interesting. Joe Burrow, I believe, yeah. is seven uh, two and one uh, ATS in his career yeah. now. That might have just moved to eight two and one. I forget if that was before or after this week. I, I know it was definitely covered. a good number. Yeah, early on in his career, and it was a couple. I mean. A couple of them weren't even just back doors. You know, a couple of them mm-hmm. were games they were in and kind of lost late. So shout yeah. out to him. He's a he's definitely been a beast since he came up. It's good to see him healthy. Yeah, and he did backdoor me. I think it was week one versus the Bengals <laughs> last year. I remember that. Tyler Boyd or T. Higgins is one of those two scored a last-minute touchdown. Yeah, but that was just story of my NFL career in the last last calendar year. But, um, yeah, I think that's interesting. But the Titans, man, I mean, wow. This Arizona defense, Chandler Jones had five sacks. Insane, an insane stat there. And their secondary, I think, usually regarded as porous. You know, if I was at a hockey game and I was chirping the goalie, calling him a sieve, I think that that's usually how how I would explain this Arizona secondary. But uh, they were looking like they were going to be Hall of Famers by the way Tannehill was throwing the ball. Julio couldn't get in rhythm. They were out of sync the entire game. And what do we make of that? 
Julio caught some flack post game from Mr. Mm-hmm. Rabel. I don't know if you mm-hmm. heard that about the the boneheaded uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. But I going into this game, I did pick the Cardinals. I did expect Arizona to show out, and that was more offensively. I thought they just had, you know, I liked Kyler being healthy, and you look at some of his early season stats and games and and plays and that narrative from last year. But what surprised me the most was the Tennessee Titans offense not really getting going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it did end up being a, a little bit of a shootout, like you said, but a lot of that was, you know. Arizona scoring and kind of one-sided. I think the Arizona defense stepped up. Uh, you brought up an interesting point about just the Tennessee Titans maybe getting away from their bread and butter a little bit. I don't know if this is signs of an offensive line struggle um, or something else, but it'll be interesting to see what Vrabel does in, in week two. I do think that's another place of overreaction. If you look at that line um, off the bat, you know, Tennessee going to Seattle sitting plus five and a half, I think might be a good spot for them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, you talk about their bread and butter. The Titans uh, using play action in that game, 11.6% of the time. The Titans using play action in 2020, 36.4% of the time. It's an absolutely huge drop-off, obviously. Um, And, you know, I think what's really interesting with Tannehill is that his yards per play jumped 2.8 yards uh, when using the play action last year. Um, And I think he was the sixth, I want to say the sixth best QB in the league when using play action. So for them to pretty much abandon the run, obviously Henry was getting stuffed, but nonetheless, you don't keep this defense honest and all of a sudden Tennessee looks awfully beatable. Uh, yeah. So you expect I was them just to... checking the the offensive line rankings too. I mean, they finished uh, per Pro Football Focus 15th. Uh, they were projected to be 15th, right in the middle mm-hmm. of the pack again in 2021. So I actually thought they were a little bit higher in 2020, and I was wrong about that. But I don't know if it's if it's aging, if it's workload, if it was just you know the Arizona defense, Sherilyn Jones being beast mode, right? You got you got to remember they put JJ Watt on the other side of that to balance mm-hmm. things out a little bit. So it could just be a more tenacious defensive front in Arizona than than people anticipated. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But I, I do think they're interesting. What they're plus five and a half this week? Plus five and a half, which I actually do like. I didn't. I'm not going to play it right now as a best bet. I might wait to see what the line does or moves because right now it's kind of in that dead zone. Some people call it the Vegas zone anyway. Of you yeah. know, four and a half to five and a half. But if it if it goes up to six, I mean, definitely a play for me. Um, be interesting to see if it gets any buyback. Um, I just don't think, you know, as good as Seattle looked against Indy. It, I don't know. I, I have a hard time believing that. Uh, that Tennessee won't get back on track and just make this a grind. You look at in the past, you know, just off the cuff, I don't have the number in front of me, but I remember capping this a few times last year, how many times Seattle was in a one score game. And a lot of those were, you know, three points or less. Um, So, you know, we'll be interesting to watch that, that market. Yeah. Big time. And um, you know, Seattle here, DVOA versus Dave at the team level six and six, the Titans managed to play so badly that it even tanked their preseason expectations. <laughs> They're 31st at 31st here, oh, um, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Sorry, 31st and 27th misread yeah. there. Pretty tight, pretty tight. Uh, yeah, but still pretty wild because I was expecting them to be a little bit better than that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, man, uh, let's dive into plays, right? We're, we're, I think we're rolling well with NFL here. I, I don't think we need to pivot off of it. What do we got for this week? Yeah, let's roll. So I am going back to the bad beat originator i don't know what the right term is i'm just gonna you know we're riding the niners again they're staying oh. in the east coast man i had a personal vendetta against them at this point i'm going I, right back I, right back you're to the braver wall. than i <laughs> but i mean probably the best time to take them right after an absolute tank job yeah, absolutely and, and I, I i'm hoping and thinking maybe that plus the performance on the other side of the ball which is the philadelphia eagles now in their home opener mm-hmm. uh i think some of that speaks to the overreaction right what that number ended up being how the game closed against detroit uh maybe the mental hangover um, versus Philly, who came out as an underdog, uh, I think a 
three, three and a half point underdog, depending on mm-hmm. how it closed. And they were an outright underdog winner over the Atlanta Falcons. And and for me, confirmed that Atlanta is in fact not back. Yeah, dog water, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. that was. And, uh, and the Eagles was my only win last week, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> right. oh, boom, baby, it. you, you nailed it. it. Out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't know if you remember this from last year. Do you remember what the uh, what the Niners did under Shanahan in between a Jets and a Giants game? They played the Jets and Giants two straight weeks. They tanked, tore some ACLs, and then they came <laughs> oh. back and absolutely ripped it. Big, there was a big discussion there about whether yeah. players were playing on grass or on turf. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So some people did get hurt. Similar mm-hmm. mindset, right? The mm-hmm. other thing they did was they stuck around. They stayed on the East Coast, and they said, we're going to go from New Jersey down to West Virginia, and we're going to hang out down here, mm-hmm. and then we're going to go back up. So they stayed East Coast. They stayed time zone, no cross-country county flight. Uh, they did that again, right? Now they're in Detroit, so probably central time. They are going back to this wonderful resort in West Virginia, which we got to check out. Maybe a future mm-hmm. uh, live podcast, you know, yeah, spot. absolutely. West Virginia, uh, and, here we come. Exactly, and then they're going back up to New Jersey to uh, to play or to Philly rather to to play the Eagles. So mm-hmm. I like that Shanahan is doing that and established that. Right again, it's early in the season, doesn't mean a ton, right? But just less cross country travel and BS for these guys um, can't hurt. Now, when you pull back and look at the the stats and the team there's there's really two things that stood out to me one I, I think you look at the opening line of this thing preseason it was five and a half it moved a full point and a half two points um just based on some of those week one reactions as well and it's not mm-hmm. to say that the eagles don't deserve that that credit they looked very good and i think they're going to be a better team than most people think maybe that was part of the reason why you were on them mm-hmm. in week one um but i just think they kind of run right into the bread and butter of what the niners want to do and do well um, and that's run the football, you know, Kyle Shanahan offensive scheme. He wants to run the ball. He's got running back depth, even with Raheem Mozart going out. Mm-hmm. The guy missed eight games in 2020. I think even more, if you go back the last few years, but you had, um, Elijah Mitchell step right in and have a big game. You still have Trey Sermon who was got a lot of preseason hype was a healthy scratch. He didn't even suit up. Yeah. Very surprising one. there too. Yeah, and I don't really know the details of why. It'll be interesting to see if he's active again. The other thing they, they did was they signed Carrion Johnson, former second-round pick, uh, mm-hmm. Detroit Lions, standout, has had some flashes. Um, again, he might not be in the lineup, maybe doesn't matter, uh, but just speaks to that depth. And again, what Shanahan wants to do, right? He wants a stable of running backs that can get in the game and, and make some noise. So when you look at DVOA, you know, Philly looked good. Uh, but two things I'll mention, right? They are worse against the run than the path. So they come in now off that first game, ranked fourth, in overall defensive efficiency from a DVO, mm-hmm. DVO, DVOA standpoint. Uh, but that's second versus the pass and 19th versus the run. They were 13th versus the run in 2020. So I think plays right into what Shanahan wants to do. Um, and hopefully you can get, get those guys moving in his scheme. The other piece that I want to call out is Atlanta from a red zone efficiency standpoint is not a good football team. That's one of the things mm-hmm. I thought was really going to change under Arthur Smith and the Titans um, you know, offensive coordinator coming over to be their head coach. Some of the moves they made with Kyle Pitts, you know, on and on, right? But instead, they are now ranked 32nd uh, in red zone offense uh, off the one game. Now, granted, that's small sample size, right? But they marched right down the field twice. The two opening drives, and what did they do? They kicked two field goals, and then that kind of changed the whole tenor of the game, right? The Eagles took it over from there. That same team, Atlanta, was 26th in 2020 in red zone efficiency and 25th in 2019. So, again, that team has not gotten better. I think the Eagles got bailed out because of that and capitalized on that as they should. But when you come back here and you look at the Niners and what they want to do, their efficiency around the red zone, the Kyle Shanahan coaching scheme, 
I think even the mental lapse of just what happened from a narrative standpoint at the end of that Detroit game, I think you're going to get a Niners team that shows out and the talent and the depth and the coaching advantage wins out. So I'll take three and a half. I hope it gets to three, you know, and the overreaction goes full circle. Uh, but right now, three and a half minus 110, three and a half minus 105 is my pick of the week. I love it, man. I think that's, I think that's spot on as much as I, uh, again, I'm holding this personal vendetta <laughs> against the, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but good stuff. I love I love that Atlanta fade, and I think that rolls in perfectly here because I'm I'm taking the Bucks minus twelve versus yeah. this Atlanta team. And you know, I think obviously we already talked about this, right? The game was sick. I should have covered that seven and a half if Godwin doesn't fumble on the one, but then he also redeemed himself with that offensive pass interference to get me the the team total over. So right. a roller coaster of emotions last Tuesday, Thursday. But neither here nor there. But you know, what I'm looking at with the Bucks here. Obviously, they didn't cover. That's okay. But I think the the X factor there is that this Cowboys offense, you know better than I, being a Cowboys fan, they ball out, right? Dak picked up exactly where he was last year. He threw threw down, right? Even with Zeke yeah. doing literally nothing, he had 400 yards, three TDs, uh, and and one touchdown. And, and they looked sick. CD was balling, but not enough about the Cowboys. I'll get to them in a second. Um, but nonetheless, I think like the only real qualm I had with this Bucks team was was the defense, but I think it's more the Cowboys offense is what I'm getting to. So yeah, this Bucks defense, I'm not concerned about. Uh, currently, in terms of DVOA, they're number 24th. Obviously not good. In terms of Dave, which is looking at preseason expectations, similar stat, number five. So that screams, obviously, a positive regression. 2020 DVOA was also five, and they brought back the entire defense, uh, as we've talked about at length. So that's great. I feel great about this defense. You've already highlighted on a lot of the the Atlanta offense uh, kind of inefficiencies here. Um and I think I think this is just a team that perhaps isn't that well put together. I don't think Mike Davis is the answer at running back. I think he's a pedestrian running back. He's had spurts of glory, you know, obviously backing up for CMC. Um, but I mean, he was looked pedestrian, three point three yards per carry. If Zeke can't run against the Bucks, I don't think Mike Davis is going to be able to run against the Bucks. So that's not going to get it done. Cordell Patterson looked pretty good. He had five uh, seven for fifty four. I think it was. But I don't think he's the X factor that's going to win this game. And Ridley and Pitts combined for a total of 82 yards. I mean, all of a sudden, Ridley has been – he's balled out without Julio in his career. So that was a bit of a surprise. But it seems like there was some issues. Run couldn't get established playing for the pass. And I expect that to be essentially the exact same thing here. Of course, offensively, the Bucs, you know, an absolute treat to watch. Gronk looked like he was pre-retirement. Antonio Brown looked like he was pre-drama. Mike Evans took the night off, and that was okay. And obviously, Godwin was Godwin, and a roller coaster there. Um, but even if you think about their their mistakes, right? You know, Rojo had a bad fumble. Fournette had that one bounce off his hands. Like yeah. these are things that felt more of like lack of focus. You know, Week One kind of rust and woes coming off that Super Bowl hangover. Not Tom Brady issues by any means. He looked like the god that he is, handsome as ever. Um, so I feel great about that. And you know, this Eagles defense, you already talked about it as well. And the Eagles, or sorry, the the Falcons. Falcons uh, defense, you know, I don't think the Eagles offense is bad by any means. I think it's pretty good, but it's not Tom Brady good. Um, you know, this is a, uh, a an Atlanta Falcons defense that's 27th in DVOA and 27th in Dave. So an offense that's sputtering or trying to find their identity going against one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, the Bucks offense, which has already found their rhythm coming off, you know, a season of, of Super Bowl. Uh, I'm looking for an absolute smackdown here. I'm looking at the Bucks minus 12. Uh, and I'm thinking about probably sprinkling the team total over for the second week in a row uh, comes up a point this or a point and a half this week to 32 and a half. Yeah. And that's a strong little move on even just a point, point and a half, two points in the NFL. So subtle. 
um, mm-hmm. you know, with how good these guys are every single Sunday. I think one thing on the Eagles in their offense versus that Falcons defensive matchup counter, you know, arguing that against the Bucks is the, I think one thing you saw if you watched that Eagles game, but they looked like they put a lot more speed on the field than they've had in the mm-hmm. past. And I know that's that's not something that's as easy to measure, um, you know, but a couple of those wideouts, Devonta Smith, obviously their, their draft pick. I think another guy, I want to say his last name's Watkins. I'm blanking on exactly who, but he had a good camp too. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, he looked fast. They were getting running backs out in space. Hurts uh, more of a threat. Again, those are things Atlanta does not defend well, but if you move that over to the Tampa Bay defensive team, returning all 11, having a stud draft pick, uh, faster linebackers, better guys in coverage. It's just that speed on speed is going to play a little bit differently than I think you saw it. The Eagles get away with it in the, um, in the Atlanta game, you know? Yeah. Big time. So, so. look for the, uh, the smack down there. I hope yeah. I pray. Um, I've got one more for us here. The Cowboys plus two and a half. Obviously we've talked about them for a while here. Offense is elite 29 points against the Bucks defense is impressive. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, but the data also backs this up. Their offense, DVOA, is number eight. Their Dave projections is number seven. Um, and I think that should only get better here. You know, in looking at the offense specifically, their rush DVOA is currently 29th in the league. Obviously, Zeke is not the 29th worst uh, running back. Um, so I think more of, a again, a, a testament to the, the lockdown defense that is, um, of and, course. And just the, to the jump in real quick, too. Pollard is a good backup. So, mm-hmm. you know, even I think a lot of their game plan going into that was we got to create space. We're going to run the throw the ball. Some of that mentality that you've seen pop up more in the NFL lately. So you could tell that what they were doing on offense was not trying to run. They would sprinkle in a few there to keep things somewhat balanced. But I think as the year goes on, especially given matchups, the Cowboys will run the ball and that'll be behind Zeke and behind Pollard. Uh, mm-hmm. One concern would be apparently a Lyle Collins uh, suspension, but we do get uh mr zach martin back so you know a little guard position gets a little stronger tackle position gets a little bit weaker something to look out for yeah and for sure and even if they can't get that running game open you know they threw 58 times in week one so that's fine with me this chargers defense i don't think is going to be as vaulted as the 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 bucks defense here their current dvoa is number seven but that was going against the ryan fitzpatrick list Tampa Bay Buck or uh, Washington football team, of course, yeah. and their Dave is 22. So if something screams regression, it's certainly that. So I think they overperformed in week one. Um, and again, they almost lost to Heineke, which <laughs> does make me feel good about my Washington future bet. But nonetheless, um, last year, this Chargers defense closed out at number 20 in terms of DVOA. So the Dave number at 22 seems to be more representative of what we should be expecting here. Of course, this Chargers offense is quite good. Um, they fought very hard against the Washington football defense, uh, who's one of the best in the league as well. Um, but I don't think they're necessarily better than the the Cowboys offense, right? Um, you know, I think the the three headed beast of what like, Keenan Allen, Jared Cook, Mike Williams looked great. Herbert's always very good, but I do have a little bit of faith all of a sudden in this Dan Quinn Dallas defense. Brought in ten yeah. new guys. Um, granted, Dan Quinn kind of always is at least a defensive quarter to had Brady's number, so maybe that was a little bit matchup based, but. I think they can get it there. Um, I think the big kind of X factor here is just in terms of offense and defense, when we're looking at DVOA and Dave Chargers, DVOA defense is 20, the the Cowboys is 22, so a bit of a wash there. Um, But the big X factor, I think, is on offense where you're looking at um, you know, again, the Cowboys with, with one of the best at number seven here. So I think there's a huge delta there. Getting points on the road, I think, is going to be great. I'm taking the upside of this Cowboys offense. Give me the dog at, at plus two and a half. Yeah, and I might also look at the total in this if I don't want to get too close to the side or mm-hmm. 
tail my team or doing emotional hedge. You always got to tread lightly, but total, I think you alluded to what the offenses might be able to do. Uh, it might just come down to again, who has the ball last or what defense can make a few stops. Um, so we shall see, but I'm excited for the, the week two slate, more good matchups out there. Um, you know, I think a lot to look out to. Yeah. Amen, man. And um, let's talk about the capper contest for, for a second yeah. here. Um, obviously hosted by, Chucky Waters Nation, Capper's Contest, Jay Money is Money, um, some great guys in the Twitter sphere and, and, and a lot of really, really good talent in there. Some guys I think even went 4-0 for, for the six yeah. points. I did not, 27th, baby. Um, but if you want to give some more details yeah, for, for the definitely. listeners here, so we did uh, get involved. Dad Bods 2.0, NFL Leaderboard, Handicapper Contest, uh, whatever you want to call it. There's a few names, few iterations, because we got a great mix. Uh, we got 31 cappers from Gambling Twitter in. Uh, we grabbed a sponsor, uh, Cappers Collective, at Cappers Collect, one word on Twitter, um, to jump in and help us. They helped with some of the technology and you know just some of the content we're all going to be able to pump out. But the idea is on Friday morning, lines lock. Uh, the teams, the, the guys look at it. The group looks at it. They make their picks against each other. Nobody sees that. Uh, those you know, get submitted over the course of the weekend. And then by Sunday morning, we're sharing consensus plays with you off those Friday lines. So maybe some slight movement, but two unit. Uh, two two-unit plays, two one-unit plays to scale and create some gap. It's going to be a season-long contest. Uh, follow me and uh, Jeff on Twitter and at Cappers Collect on Twitter and at GPO underscore lock on Twitter. Those accounts plus the Cappers involved will have a ton of content and links on it. Uh, you can see our consensus picks. You can get involved. The way you get involved, there will be a separate link, which we will share, um, that allows you to compete against us and submit your own picks in the same timeline. You compete against each other for weekly prizes, and then you compete for a grand prize if you can stay in the top three against the the, the leaderboard itself. So a lot of fun, just a, another way to get NFL action out there for the crew because so many people you know, want to bet it, want to watch it, uh, want to interact. Mm-hmm. And that's free to enter, free to play, yes? Free to enter, free to play. We like free cash winners. Amen, baby. Just like our picks, always free all the time. Although Ant does sell some of his, so that's not an entirely true statement. But (laughs) true enough, I think is what they're saying. Yeah, exactly. But uh, anyway, guys, you know, we try to bring you uh, content here, 30 minutes or less, hopefully some winners. Uh, Hopefully you extracted some nuggets here to make you uh, better, better. As always, any questions, comments, concerns, we're always available on Twitter. I'm Jeff Sheesby at Old Man Who Bets. That's Ant Latino at The Odds Fellow. And this was, this is, and this will continue to be short-term high volatility investments.